Please don't hump my lamb. Dude, I am seven fingers in the Jim Beam. Get the fucking chili hot dog out of my face. Your next comedian coming to the stage. He's so funny. He's such a hoot. And making yeah, sure let me shove this well. baby out of my out of my juiced up jibs and then stoner and the fat man. Fuck you, Mark. Mark, pull up, everybody. <laughs> Hello, folks, and welcome back to the Unbridled Enthusiasm Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Poulos, as always. It's good to be back. Today's episode, I am titling Bad Idea. And uh, the reason I'm titling it that is uh, is a very simple formula to a comedy show. It's very simple. You have an MC. A feature, a headliner, crowd, stage, light, microphone. Very simple. Over the years, people have tried to mess with this formula, uh, thinking that somehow they've figured out a way to get more butts in the seats uh, by tweaking the formula. And every time a horrible idea bad idea last week um i did some shows at a comedy club and i'm not going to mention the name but i'm sure if they listen to this podcast they'll know who they are so in theory their idea had merit however i have done this i've done comedy for so long like i i understand things other people probably won't so their initial idea was that they wanted to uh, rebrand themselves and have a grand reopening and do like a summer festival thing so it was like a seven dollar ticket you get free food you get a couple uh, beers and then there'd be uh, like a show, and the way that it was explained, it was explained to me first was that it was going to be a festival. So, when I hear festival, I think music, I think variety acts, and I think comedy. Um, but this just turned out to be two nights of the longest open mic I've ever been a part of. Um. The first night, the show lasted, and I'm not joking, I'm not embellishing, four and a half hours. And their thought process was that people would wander in and out as the show went on, like it was some kind of constant running show in, like, Times Square at the, you know, at like, Live at Gotham or Caroline's or something, or, you know, the, the Comedy Cellar, because that's, that's what they do in New York. The show starts around 5 o'clock, and then it just runs constantly until, like, 2 in the morning. So people will come in, and they'll watch, like, a few comics or whatever, and then they'll move on. But that's that's not this place. So I predicted before we even went to this place that it was literally going to be the crowd's going to show up at 7, 
and it's going to be the same group of people for four and a half hours. And there's a pretty steady, hard, fast rule uh, that I think crosses all boundaries of entertainment, and that is nowadays it's really hard to get people to pay attention for more than 90 minutes. Whether it's a comedy show or a theater production or... Um, it's just hard for people to pay attention for that long. And especially a comedy show where it's it's just words. More words and then more words. You know, it gets... It gets exhausting after a while. Like, no matter how funny something is, after you've been watching it for four hours, I mean, it's brutal. So I would chalk up comedy festival in a small town using open mic comedians it's a bad idea bad idea so our next bad idea (laughs) uh, and thankfully they have changed this policy as of now I worked a club where uh, they thought it would be a great idea to uh like if they were if they had a show like at the show whatever the the biggest party was like the most people as a part of a party that they would like uh actually I don't really know how it worked it was like somehow they had a thing that said if you want to be the MC of the comedy show you know write your name down and like give it to your server or something like that and then if you got chosen if your group was big enough like they would take you aside and just kind of like give you the pointers of how it works and like every show the MC of the show was just some random person out of the crowd which I to this day cannot understand how they ever thought that was going to be a good idea like I don't know where that came from but just picking random people out of the crowd. Like, I mean, I guess I get the idea of it that you're like really making the crowd a part of the show. And now that someone from the crowd is emceeing the show, people are like, oh my God, this is so crazy. This guy's a part of the show now, you know? And then their, their group of people are like over the moon, like, oh my god bob's on stage look at that fucker you know it's like that's all well and good but it's like (laughs) they don't know what the fuck they're doing do you know how long it takes someone to learn how to be an mc i mean it's not it's not that easy of a thing like you have to practice a lot and it's kind of insulting that they felt like some random person in the audience could accomplish a job that guys have been working at for three years to get good at you know and uh needless to say it was always a fucking train wreck like these people would get up there and i think they'd give them like a couple like street jokes to do up there or if they knew any street jokes to do those and and then they would just read our intro and bring on stage or there's like one time the guy was like up there for like 20 minutes and they just couldn't get him off the stage it's like that's that's what you run into you run into an idiot that doesn't understand that when you hit him in the face with a with a beam from a flashlight 
that they're finished and get get the hell off the stage. But we will chalk that one up to a bad idea. Bad idea. So I was doing a show one time, <clears throat> and uh, a lot of times what I run into when I'm on the road sometimes is I'll go and I'll do um, one-nighter shows or independent shows that are in small towns. And uh, usually what you run into sometimes is there's a person in that town that really, really wants to be a stand-up comedian. And for whatever reason... They just don't want to go through the normal channels of being a stand-up comedian. They don't want to move to a bigger city and do open mics and work their way up the ladder or whatever. So they've made the decision that they're going to get a venue in their small town and start a weekly comedy show and then contact people and try to get them to come through and, and do the comedy show. And what happens is that that person in that small town that has created that comedy show now feels this sense of like uh superiority like this is my show so like you guys are coming to do it this show wouldn't exist without me kind of mentality i remember <clears throat> i was doing one show and this guy was uh the mc of the show and he was also like the morning radio guy there and he would promote the shit out of the show because he was the house MC down there. So the first night that we got down there, usually, like, on a comedy show, the MC will do, like, 10 or 15 minutes before, like, the feature act gets up there to do, like, a half an hour, and then the headliner does 45 minutes. So this guy, he goes up, and he just announces that there's no table talk, turn your cell phones off, the bathroom's over there, and then he immediately introduced me and brought me on stage. And I felt a little slighted, like, this guy didn't warm up the crowd at all. He just dragged me on stage. What the hell is that? So then after me, he did, like, 25 minutes of comedy. And then he brought the headliner up. And I was featuring at the time. And so after the show, me and the headliner sitting there like, what the fuck was that? Like... It was like maybe it was just some weird show where like a bunch of his friends were here so he decided to you know do the time a little different or something but no he did the same thing at the late show and uh so we were like when we get in there the next day like we'll talk to him and see if there's a way so i'm assuming like every week the comics ask him to not do what he's doing because he just like exploded on us and he was like this is my show these people come here to see me you guys should just be on your knees thanking me that there's a comedy show in this town and blah 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 and i was just like holy shit man so i say that because it gets me to my next bad idea <laughs> so i was doing a show in a small town where the guy that was emceeing the show had obviously uh champion the idea of having a comedy show in the small town and it was like his show and we were going to run it his way and uh so me and the me and my feature act went and uh the feature act brought an mc with because he didn't know if there was going to be an mc so we got there and this guy's like no i'm the mc and we were like no that's okay he goes um we were like is there any way that you know, this guy that we brought with us could do, like, a five-minute guest spot. And he was like, yeah, no problem, man. So he goes up, 
and he does like 15 minutes off the front. Then he brings the uh, the guest spot up, and then after the guest spot, he does another like 10 minutes, and then he brings my my feature act up, and be, while the feature is act is up there, I just came up to him and I said, hey. I go, uh, do you mind when he's finished, if he could just bring me right on stage? Because I'm like, I like the way that he kind of gets the crowd, you know, pumped up. And uh, it's just like a really cool, smooth transition for me to just hit the stage right when he's finished. And the look on this guy's face looked like I just uh, asked him if, if I could go and kill his dog. And <laughs> I go, so is that is that going to be okay? And he goes, uh, no no that's not gonna be okay and I go wait what are you talking about and he goes listen this is my show and I have things to do so I people that come here expect to see certain things out of me and I'm not just gonna skip over it because you asked me to so I'm actually gonna go up there and do what I was normally gonna do and I said you know not wanting to ruffle any feathers I was like all right whatever so my buddy gets done and he goes back on stage and uh he he takes a microphone and he goes like to do a special piece of entertainment for you now and he takes two steps back from the microphone and he just starts miming all this weird shit like he's not saying any words he's doing like karate moves and then he makes a move like he's going to poke himself in the eyes and he blocks it and then he he had uh he had his glasses on the top of his head and he made some kind of move where he like hit himself on the top of the head and he fucking broke his glasses in half which was the greatest fucking thing i've ever seen in my life <laughs> he fucking broke his glasses in half and they fell on the ground and uh you could just see he was like like holy shit that's like a hundred bucks i just did so he finishes up his whole thing and he takes a slow bow and he walks back up to the microphone and he goes and that was three stooges karate and waits uh, for what he feels the inevitable explosion of applause <laughs> and nothing happened <laughs> he waited like a good 30 seconds and and, uh, and nobody clapped at all. So then he goes, and now your headliner, Mark Poulos. <laughs> so I come on stage, and he's still cleaning his glasses up, and I couldn't help myself. I felt really bad uh, after I did it, but it was hard not to. I said, keep it going for your MC, everybody. And then I said, that's the thing you needed to do? Three Stooges Karate? <laughs> I go, I wonder if uh, if you think it was a good idea now that you broke your glasses during it. <laughs> I go, any bit that you break your glasses on, I was probably not that good of a bit. And, uh, yeah, he was, uh, he was pretty pissed off at me when I got off the stage. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's just those guys that... And I feel bad about it, but it's just like, it drives me so insane because it's literally like night and day. Like, he'll show up to a gig and the MC is either going to be a waitress or a bartender that uh, that doesn't want to be a part of the show. 
and they're doing it just because they were told they have to do it. Uh, or it ends up being somebody uh, involved with the local scene down there that thinks that they're like a national touring comedian and they're just going to like do the show forever. And it's just like, oh my god. It's so horrible. But, uh... So the next bad idea... I was uh, working at a comedy club in Michigan. And I think it was like Friday night. Uh, apparently, uh, Nick Swartzen and Aziz Ansari were in uh, the city taping... Uh, I feel like the movie was called 30 Minutes or Less or something like that. So he had uh, contacted the comedy club and was like, you know, I want to come down and work on some new material. And, I mean, obviously if you're a comedy club in a small market and Aziz and Zari calls and asks if he can come down and just do a couple minutes, I mean, you'd have to be out of your fucking mind if you didn't accept that. But the... The bad idea I had with it was, sorry, listen, he's, he's a pretty famous guy, like, he does stand up all the time, and he's known for, like, doing longer than he's supposed to, so the bad idea was that they, he had made some kind of comment that he was going to do 10 minutes like he just wanted to do a 10 minute quick spot after whoever the headliner was which was me and when they told me about it they said he's going to go up after you and he's going to do like 10 minutes and I was like dude there's no way the Aziz Ansari is going to do 10 minutes and they were like no no that's what he said he said he's going to do 10 minutes and I was like alright so uh uh, the MC did the 15 minutes, you know, the feature did their 30, and I did my full 45. And uh, they brought in Z's up, and he did an hour and 10 minutes after me. And keep in mind, there's a late show that's supposed to be starting. Granted, there weren't that many people for it, but still. I think they let uh, those people that were coming to see the second show just sit in on his thing. And... Uh, and he was like a real dick, man. Like after the show, I was trying to sell my t-shirts and he stood in front of my table and took pictures with all these people that were coming out of the show. It was like, you know, man, you're just a dickhead. But, uh, yeah, it's always, it's always a bad idea when somebody stops in to like do a set to try to you know, not not my scenario. Like, if they had said, you know, Aziz wants to do, like, ten minutes in front of you, I would have been like, fuck that. I'll do ten minutes in front of him, and he can close the show. Because it's just, like, so stupid to even try to go up behind, you know, after somebody that's that famous, you know. Which brings me my my next bad idea, and that is trying to do comedy after a famous person. <laughs> there were some great, like, legendary stories. Like, there was a guy who was headlining the uh, Yuck Yucks in Vancouver. And uh, I think the scenario was, like, he was a, a guy that always wanted to headline that club, and, and, like, they had finally given him his shot to headline it. And, like, on one of the nights, Dane Cook showed up and wanted to do a set on the show. 
so apparently they presented it to him like, you know, do you just want to do a, sh- a short spot and then Dane will go up after you? And apparently he got pretty indignant about it. And he was like, fuck that. He's like, I'm the headliner. If he wants to do a set on my show, he can go up before me and keep and stick to his time. And I was like, you know, it's a bad, bad idea, you know? So he, uh, Dane went up and did like an hour and, uh, you know, the big crescendo, thank you, good night. And uh, a lot of the people just got up and left because they thought that was the show. So then they were like, all right, you guys ready for your headliner tonight? And I apparently somebody in the crowd verbally was like, are you shitting me? <laughs> like, So this poor guy had to go up after an hour set by Dane Cook, and he just ate shit the whole time. But the other, uh, the other story that was kind of like that, which is like one of my favorite stories in comedy, like uh, a couple episodes back I was talking about Last Comic Standing and Dat Fan. Um, well, a friend of mine was out in Los Angeles like uh, a few weeks after Dat Fan had won Last Comic Standing and he was headlining the uh, improv in Hollywood. And uh, so uh, another good friend of mine was on the first season uh, a friend of ours was on the first season, Dave Mordahl, and Dad Fan was the one that knocked him off the show. So my friend was at this comedy club, and he saw that uh, that Dad Fan was going to be headlining. So he's like, I want to go to the show, and I want to look him in the eyes while he's doing his comedy so he knows how shitty he is. <laughs> so apparently, like, just before Dad Fan was supposed to take the stage, Chris Rock wandered in and was like, I just working on like 10 minutes of stuff he's like is there any chance i can get a spot and uh they were like oh yeah sure so they asked that fan like do you want to go before or after chris rock and he was like well i'm the headliner so i gotta go up after chris rock it's a bad idea because <laughs> chris rock did like an hour and uh it was another one of those scenarios where he was like thank you good night and everybody was getting up to leave like all right what a great show and then they were like and now your headliner, Dad Fan, and my buddy, he's like, he's like, this is not a lie, it's not bullshit, but uh, the the whole crowd was me, my wife, and my two friends. Everybody else left, and we sat there and we forced him to do his forty-five minute set to silence. And I was like, holy shit, that's brutal. <laughs> That's a bad idea. Don't let somebody famous go in front of you. You go in front of them and let them close out the show. There's just no way that you are going to upstage Louis C.K. or Dane Cook or Chris Rock or Dave Chappelle. It's just not going to happen. Just, you know, reserve the fact that you were able to share the stage with with somebody amazing, you know. Let's see a couple other... Uh, bad ideas I was uh I was doing a show in lacrosse and there's like sometimes people will go on the road like a comedy duo like me and Joe do stoner and the fat man and then there's other people that do different uh different shows and apparently the week before me and my friend got there these two comics like put these questionnaires out on the tables and had the people like write one question that that you wanted uh because like the theme of the show is like one guy is good and the other guy is bad so like they would write questions and then the good guy would answer it and the bad guy would answer it so it would be like 
you know, what's the secret to marriage? And the good guy would be like, love your wife. And then the bad guy's like, anal sex, you know. Wow, it's so good. So we got there, and uh, and the uh, the lady who was running the show, she goes, uh, we're trying this new thing now where, uh, where audience members will write a question down and then at the intermission we'll put them on the table on stage that way uh and she looked at me you know that way when you're up there headlining you can answer these questions for people like in a funny way or whatever and i just like let her finish and i looked at her and i said uh no i'm I'm not gonna do that and her face was just priceless (laughs) she's like what do you mean you're not gonna do that and i go well I kind of have an act that I've written that I that I perform, and uh, I'm just not. That's not the kind of comedian I am. Like I don't just read questions and have like right off the top of my head funny things to say. Like it's just it's not my thing. <laughs> it's not my thing. And then she just like blinks her eyes a couple times and then turns to my feature act and goes, "Will you do it?" And my feature act was like nah i'm not doing it either and she like grabbed these pieces of paper and just like was like oh and just walked away and we were like i don't know man i think she's pissed off at us and to you know add insult to injury like the mc that we had that night um he did like 10 minutes off the top and like a half an hour after each comedian it just got to be the most ridiculous thing i've ever been a part of it was and we were talking to him after the show, and we were like, why in God's name would you ever do a half an hour after the feature act? And he's like, that's what they tell me to do. So he pulled out this uh, uh, this, this sheet that had all the information for him, and uh, I was with Cocazello at the time, and he, uh, he goes, is there any way that I can look at this sheet? And the guy's like, yeah, sure, take a look at it. So he turned around, and Joe was like, let's go let's go let's go and so he stole the sheet and we were reading it on the way home and it was just like the worst ideas i've ever heard to give an mc like you know that you have to do 10 minutes up front 30 in the middle you've got to like just it was just really bad ideas and uh i just i'll never forget the look on that lady's face when she asked me to do it and i said no i'm not gonna do that and uh and she turned to the other guy and was like, can you do it? And he's like, no, I'm not going to do it either. Uh, and I think, I think the last, the last bad idea I'll, I'll cover is, uh, it's a very simple idea in comedy, but some people, they don't understand it. It's a very simple idea. When you're a comedian and you take the stage and you start representing the words that you're saying are the ones that you wrote, that's comedy. Like, people can't understand why you're not doing internet jokes or street jokes or other people's jokes or why not do like 10 minutes of Bill Cosby's material on stage. It's all just a show, you know. But it's all about integrity, you know? It's all about being original and not being known as a thief. 
And that's a big thing in the comedy business is if you're doing material that other people wrote, people kind of look at you as a thief. And there's a thin line between being a thief and being inspired, you know. If you watch Brian Regan and George Carlin and Richard Pryor and you're inspired by the way that they tell a joke, so you kind of mimic them on stage, that's, that's a whole different thing. But if you're saying the words that somebody else has already said on stage, you're a thief. And people just can't wrap that around their heads. Like, why wouldn't you be able to just do material that, you know, George Carlin wrote or Brian Regan? Why can't you just tell their jokes on stage? Because they're their jokes. Like, they wrote them. I'm going to tell the jokes that I wrote because I want people to laugh at my skill as a writer and not my skill as a thief. So uh, it's it's a really bad idea to do other people's material on stage because the people that hire you and the people that uh, are in the comedy clubs every week, they're the ones that make the decisions and they're the ones that know when you're being a thief and when you're being an original writer. And to illustrate that as my last story on this topic, I was doing uh, some shows in, in uh, North Dakota and we got to the weekend gig, and we were introduced to our MC, and uh, the guy was talking him up like he's done all these corporate shows and all this stuff, blah blah blah. He's a really great guy and all this kind of stuff. So we're like, oh, cool! It's nice to have you. It's nice to have you on the show. So then, little time went by, and he said, uh, I said something like, uh, I'm really looking forward to watching your stuff on stage. And he said, Well, don't get too excited, because. Uh, I didn't write any of it. I go, what are you talking about? And he goes, well, I'm not like the typical comedian that you're going to find. Like, I don't write anything. I just do other people's stuff up there. And I'm just like, (laughs) I couldn't wrap my head around it. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, you're like a cover comedian? Like, how are you getting workplaces? And he's like, ah, nobody ever notices. So, you know. So I turned to the owner. I was like, are you aware that this guy is stealing jokes and performing them on it? He's like, yeah, but he's old. Who cares? And, uh, yeah, I mean, when he, his whole show was just like the oldest street jokes you've ever heard in your life. And, I mean, at that level, it's it's hard to get pissed at them because they just don't know any better and, and they're never going to be better. So it's just like, whatever. I mean, if I'm in a comedy club and there's a guy at my level and he's on stage doing, like, a 15-minute chunk from Dane Cook or something that I recognize, like, I'm just not going to let that slide. Like, that's just, there's just no excuse for it. Because in this business, all we really have is our integrity as writers and performers. And if you're doing half your act as written by somebody else, you shouldn't really be a stand-up comic, so don't do other people's material write your own write that down write that down well i hope you guys uh, enjoyed a little small look into the comedy business again uh, if you want to get the show it's on podbean and itunes and uh, the website's largedrunkman.com for everything mark pulos as far as uh, tour dates and merchandise and 
All my albums are on iTunes for download, so check it out. And uh, come see a live show if I'm going to be in your area. I'm going to be touring a ton late summer and fall. So get out and see some live comedy and support live comedy in your towns. Because if you don't show up to the shows, they probably won't be there the next time you want to see a comedy show. So get out there. So uh, God bless you guys and tune in next time when we talk about who knows.